talk about money. We talked last weekend about what is our money conversation culture in the evangelical community, but particular here at Jericho Ridge. And so uh, I've invited a couple of people to assist in this morning in answering questions. So I'm going to ask them to come up now. And uh, Diane Zorn and her husband Mike have been here at Jericho Ridge uh, for a number of years. And they have two kids they uh, teach, so oftentimes they're downstairs and uh, doing a fantastic job at teaching in our Kids at the Ridge program. Uh, Al and his wife, Herta, have been here at Jericho Ridge for a long time as well. And uh, so they are both going to share uh, this morning a little bit about not only their personal journeys, but also uh, from the scriptures and also respond to some of the questions uh, that you have posed. And so we'll start off just talking a little bit about each of our journeys so you get to know us each a little bit more. Al, maybe start off a little bit uh, talking about your generosity journey. Like what did that look like for you growing up? Was it a topic of conversation? Um, Yeah, just take us through a little bit of that experience for you. Uh, yeah, no, it says it's on. I don't know. Grab another mic. That's all right. That works very well. <laughs> I can make it carry well. Is it on? Should we keep trying? Okay. Is this working? Okay. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to say is that uh, we got, we, when we were looking at, there were way more questions than we have time for this morning. So it was good to have that kind of reaction and response to, to this topic. And uh, so we won't get to all of the, the questions. So if, if, if you have questions that you think you'd like to have answered, you can keep talking to us some more about that. My journey uh, in growing up, I, I knew that my dad was uh, desiring to be a good follower of what Jesus had wanted for, for believers to be. I grew up in a Christian home. We never talked about money uh, that I can remember, but he modeled it in that I know that he gave to the church regularly and he gave to people in need regularly. And so when I grew up and sort of came on my own, uh, it just sort of seemed like a default kind of thing that it seemed like a pretty smart thing that my dad did uh, to, to sort of work with what God's program was. Uh, it seemed a little smarter than just working on my own program, uh, which I wasn't too sure what that was. So working with God's program seemed to be a pretty good idea, and it seemed like that was part of it. And so that's what I've been doing and growing in it. And it's a journey that you still find stuff out and you learn about yourself and different things come along. But it's a journey that I think is, is, uh, is a good one. It's interesting that you talk about it being modeled and you picked it up. I think in our home, as much as last weekend I talked about how we talked about money, there were things that were modeled, but I don't know that I ever picked them up. Uh, And so there was never intentional teaching in our home that I can remember anyways on this whole topic of how do you handle giving money away? Like what is the, how do you go about doing that? Think about my dad did a great job on talking about a lot of other things, but that was something that I kind of missed in my overall generosity education and so I came into early adulthood and young adulthood and was trying to figure things out on my own 
And uh, then, as you heard last weekend, Meg and I, we just had a bit of a different money culture. And so uh, in our house, I'm the spender, she's the saver, if you want to use broad terms like that. And so in our early relationship, we got into trouble because I was in charge of the spending, and we weren't really tracking that very carefully. And so in terms of giving, like I just always wanted, my heart wanted to be generous, and so we would give towards things, and then Meg would say, well, where are we going to get that money from? And eventually we got ourselves into trouble on that front, and uh, we had to kind of figure out, okay, we're in a tight spot. Now we need a better plan to think about what is our actual strategy for engaging with our finances and giving as a whole. Um, and so that was a bit, of a, a bit of a difficult journey for us early in our relationship. Dan, talk a little bit about your journey uh, with generosity. You, you uh, have come from, from different places, and uh, God taught you different things along the way. So what's that look like for you? Um, is this working? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, my, uh, my upbringing was, uh, sounded a lot like Al's. Uh, my family, my mom and dad never spoke about money, but I saw them give money in church. Uh, I grew up in an Anglican household, so we didn't talk about anything even slightly emotional or important, nothing. So um, I saw that. Um, but then uh, later on in my life, uh, I was going through, I was, um, I was probably giving sporadically, you know, once in a while um, when I felt like it. And uh, I was going through a really um, tough time in my life. My uh, first husband had just left me with a nine-month-old baby and a really big mortgage and all the bills to pay. And um, I had to really buckle down and, you know, make a really strict budget. And um, I also had to go and, you know, renovate part of my house to be able to, you know, bring a tenant in to even pay for the, the mortgage at that point. Um, but at the same time, um, God was really working in my heart um, and really bringing me closer to him. And at that point, I was uh, attending CLA. And I, I remember this um, sermon that Pastor Brent uh, preached on then, and it was about generous living. And he talked about, you know, um, what the, the New Testament says and in Corinthians about living generously and, you know, you uh, reap as you sow. But he also brought up something um, from the Old Testament from Micah where it's the only spot in the Bible where God says, test me in this. And he was talking, um, uh, it was about the, tith- about the tithing and about people um, not giving their the tenth uh, piece of livestock, I think. Or, and he said, test me in this, that if you, you know, if you do this, I will just bless you so much that you know, the storehouses will be overflowing. And um, I really felt led at that point to start um, giving uh, on a regular basis and, and putting it in my budget, even though it was probably the worst time for me to do it. Um, so I did it, and I worked it in there, and it was really hard, and I started doing it. And um, uh, not long after that, I, I got a really a good raise at work, which really helped. And then um, even even from there, uh, a little bit later, I had wanted to, um, they talked about foster children, taking on a foster child in church, and I thought, oh, I'd really like to do that, but, you know, things are just so tight, I, I can't do that. And then the next week, this woman arrived at our work who wanted to carpool with me, and she was going to pay me $5 a week to carpool with me. I was like, well, that's $25 a month. That pays for right there. So I took on a foster child, and that went on for, you know, eight, nine months. And then all of a sudden, um, this woman that I'd been carpooling with took a job elsewhere, and I lost that, that money. And I mean, at that time, that 25 bucks was a big deal. And I thought, oh, now what am I going to do? And, you know, like a week later, I got this letter from the government saying um, I thought my, the child tax benefit was going to be canceled, 
um, because my income had gotten over the amount at that point. And this letter came back and they'd looked, assessed it from the year before or whatever. And they said, oh yeah, next year we're giving you it's like $50 a month. And I was like, well, there it is again, you know. <laughs> it's just every step of the way, God was so faithful. Um, I, I gave and he gave back. And he's just, since then, the more I give, the more I get back. And I've just seen the blessings overflow from God in this area. That's neat, Diane. Thanks for sharing that. So uh, let's talk about a little bit about this uh, notion of feeling a desire to give then uh, and talking about what if you don't have the resources to give? How should you respond to that then? If you just you hear an appeal, like maybe for um, relief work or anything like that, and you think, well, I can't do that. You know, I just... You know, that, that becomes part of a bigger bigger picture question, and the idea is it really works better if people have a plan, if we have a plan uh, in any part of life, but it has to do with, with finances as well. And so if there's a plan that one has as to knowing what's coming in, what's going out, and you have some idea of how you're going to control your spending, then when an appeal comes, you sort of know what your plan is as far as a giving strategy and you also will know, do I have some left over to be helpful in this? And again, it goes back to this very question. God doesn't really want our, doesn't need our money. He, need, he wants our hearts. And how we manage our funds and our time and our talent is a reflection on how we understand our relationship to God and, and God's relationship to us. And so emotional appeals, like you talked about last week, have, have some short-term kind of guilt in Sometimes, they, but if you have a, if you have a plan, and so that goes back to a strategy of how do you manage money, how do you manage your time, because we will try to, we always will have time and money for the things that we th- value, and you know people can tell me they value certain things, and I'll say, well, I'll watch how you spend your money and your time, and I'll tell you what's important to you because just by virtue of that, and so having a plan, I think, is a is a is a way to address some of those concerns. I think. I think the other thing that about a plan that seems to work well is then you feel a level of freedom to be able to say no right. because you don't have to uh, sort of in Corinthians, and Second Corinthians there in our verse for today, it talks a little bit about you should give in your heart what you've decided in right. advance to give. Right. And so then when there's an appeal that comes, you can say, you know what, I've decided in my heart, I've talked with my spouse about what it, this is going to look like. And we've decided already where our resources are going to be allocated for that. And so we've been planning that and been working at that. And so, therefore, you don't have to feel that guilt when that comes. Yeah, I I think so. Because, I mean, there's always going to be more need than money. And not any one of us is going to be able to meet all of those needs that come across our desk, if you want to call it that way, or in the mail. And so the idea of you and your finances and God sort of have a, have a plan as to how you're going to do that. And in our, in our family, we have a plan on, you know, how much we're going to give. And every once in a while, Herda will come up with something that has, you know, touched her and we'll talk about it or something comes across my heart. And I says, okay, how about this? And then we can decide if we're going to give more to that or, you know, add to that. And we have some flexibility, but we have a basic plan in place for what the bulk of it's going to look like. Well, that, okay, that works, but Dan, what about when you, then you maybe have disagreement in your home or with your spouse about how those resources should be expended? Like, what does that look like? Um, well, I think um, 
I, I think God's looking, as, as Al said, what, for what's in your heart. And I think if it's, you know, when you start out, it's, it's, you do it as a budget with your husband and you're, you're both uh, talking about it. And, and when something comes up, it's just, it's a topic of conversation. And if something's um, important to one person and maybe the other person doesn't have the same connection, I think it's just a, it's a conversation piece and um, sort of a, a matter of, of respecting the other person's wishes. And um, if you put aside some of that extra money, then I, I you know, I think it's just uh, something you work out as, as a couple. What about, um, are there times then that you would encounter when maybe you shouldn't give? Are there uh, instances you can think of? Like some of the questions we, we got were related to, should I give while I'm carrying non-mortgage debt? Things like student loans or other realities like this. What, do you, what would both of you say about that? Um, I would say... That I think, I mean, giving is, I say, it's an expression of what you're feeling in your heart. And even if you can only give a little bit, I think it's, it's a good thing to give. Um, and maybe, at, you know, there's, there's seasons in life. There's life when we have abundance and there's ti- other times when things are really hard. And I think we have to adjust to that. Um, and so maybe when things are really tough, um, maybe you give less. Um, but I think uh, giving... At, at any time it's it's good for us it's good for it still shows that we're still god's still first and we're still putting him first and and still saying that that this money is god so i'm going to give less than usual but this is what i'm going to give and i think god is uh again looking for our hearts and so in in, in uh instructions that paul gave to the church too i mean people two thousand years ago were still figuring out how do we do this so the questions were similar to what we have today is, okay, how do I live my life according to what God wants? How does that look in all, in all the areas? And Paul says, well, you give from what you have, not from what you don't have. And so at different stages of life, different circumstances will be there. And I think God is well aware of it. I don't think there's anything that's happened to you where God has gone, oh my goodness, I didn't know that was going to happen to them. Now, I was, I was planning on them to keep giving that much. God is never stuck. We might be surprised at certain things happening to us. And so, um, the fact that God is looking and saying, I know what's going on in your life. I know better than you what's going on in your life. What our part is, is to be faithful and to, and to walk. And so, I think there are times when... You know, it's, it's not that you have to give some. It's the idea of, okay, I have something. I want to share it. I understand what God has done for me. Um, and, and God is using it as a measure of our hearts, but it's not like a formula where if I do this, then, then God does that. It's, it's, you know, God does things beyond what we can imagine or think. And our, our job is to try to be faithful and figure that out and walk. But I think the idea of, giving of our time and our talent and our finances is something that is part of that journey of growth as, as a follower of Jesus. So what would you say to somebody that is um, working their way out of uh, some debt? Maybe yep. it's some consumer debt. Yep. Or what would that process look like for them then right. in terms of generosity, in terms of giving, yep. wrestling with that specifics? Yeah, in, in, in what I'm doing now for the last... Uh, 14 years is working with people in our churches uh, who have come across and made decisions along the way that have got them into trouble. Some of their own decisions, some of them are circumstances beyond their control, 
um, where they are in financial difficulty. And for sure, God does not want us to go into debt to give to him. Like, I mean, that, that's a, that's a non-starter, I think. It, and so, but God does want to become involved in the journey of getting out of debt and having people invite him in and be part of that process. So the idea is that they can give freely because we can get people all encouraged about being excited about giving to something or being part of something. And they look at their bank book or they look at their debt load and they're going, like, we, can't, we can't do that. Well, then there might be some other decisions that have to be made to be a, a steward of what God has given you, um, you know, our, our needs and our wants. How are we looking at that? Are we spending more than we're making? And why is that? And that becomes a much bigger picture. And, you know, we certainly can walk with people and, you know, it's, it, it's going to be a journey. But if you invite the creator, God, into it, um, it, it's a much better journey to, to walk towards that where then you can give cheerfully. So what about uh, one of the questions that we got uh, very regularly was a question about, I just feel uh, conflicted about giving in the sense that there are a lot of options out there. Like the scripture reminds us to be faithful in taking care of the widows and orphans in the world. I have lots of agencies that I know that people are doing amazing work. Um, so I feel conflicted about that and then giving to a local church or giving to Jericho Ridge. So how would we think about that conversation? Is there any guidance that you could uh, give either from the scripture or from your own personal experiences and insights? How do you think about those decisions? Well, I think, Al, you should answer that considering uh, when we spoke about this on Friday, I got a sort of view from the, the church's point of view, and I thought, oh, okay, well, this has sort of changed my mind a bit. So I'll let you answer that one. And you're right. Uh, you know, when, when it comes to some of these uh, scenarios in life, like other things, there are some areas where Scripture is pretty clear what God would like us to act like and be like. There are other areas where, like, this is a pretty good human shot at what we think God would want us to do. And so some of these areas are, okay, if God wants us to sort of live in these kind of parameters, how does that look in practical terms? So I would say from, from Scripture, um, my understanding is that when Jesus left the earth, he set up the local church. He set up the church to be the agency through which the world would know about his love and his sacrifice and would, would understand salvation. And so the church was commissioned and, you know, they'll know uh, because of how we love each other that there's a God and, and we have some of those kind of things. And the idea of looking after the widows and the orphans was through the local church. And uh, in Paul's writing, he's writing to local churches about their responsibility to uh, give through the local church. And I think every other agency, uh, particularly Christian agency, uh, is, is only, their health is only as good as the local church's health. Because every agency... Uh, Christian agency particularly, where they get workers from the local church, they get finances through local church and local church people. And so, uh, and in Revelation, local churches are held accountable for how they acted as a, as, a, as a church. So, my response to that question is, I think the healthier the local church is, the healthier the whole enterprise that Jesus set up is. And so I think people who would call a local church their home church 
it would be, uh, you know, I would recommend that you look at is, uh, am I being able to contribute to the local church and make it as healthy as possible with my time, my talent, and my money so that the whole enterprise, this is the foundation of all of the agencies and everything in trying to do good work. And so I think there are agencies that are out there that sometimes do a better job on certain particular situations. They can react quicker, but the overall strength and foundation of everything is the local church. And so I would say the, locals, the local church contributing to that would be a, should be a priority, I think, for believers. I think one of the challenges that we experience here as a local church is that if people make a, a decision like we've talked about and put a giving plan together in place and say, okay, in 2014, here's where we think you know, we're going to be able to give, and they set aside you know, a, a portion of whatever that looks like, the resources that God has entrusted to them, and then they say, okay, we're going to divvy it up in this way. And then if that pie starts to get radically altered throughout the course of a giving year, that creates a challenge for us here at the local church level. So if somebody says, we're going to give you know, whatever amount it is, and then one year they give it to Jericho, and then the next year they think, you know what, I'll, I'm going to give it to the local way, the local United Way uh, this year instead. What the challenge that that creates for us is that we've made, like what Vision Night this last Sunday night, we sat down together around roundtables and said, here's where we feel like God is calling us to move in 2014. And so we make commitments based on that. And so then if uh, giving swings in different <coughs> directions wildly within the local church, then we're not able to make those commitments. And those commitments for us at Jericho here are almost largely fixed commitments. They're staffing commitments, they're missionary commitments, their commitments to facility rentals, you know, all of those types of things. And so for us, we make that plan as elders. We take it very seriously and very carefully and spend a lot of time in the fall discerning, thinking, praying, looking at all kinds of analysis and statistics and trying to figure out what would it be the things that would be reasonable for us to try and uh, see God do in our midst in 2014. And so then we make the budget plan based on that. And so if there's wild swings in that, that creates some, some challenges for us here at Jericho Ridge. It'd be a little bit like you in your personal budget, one month spending $1,600 on grocery and the next month going, I don't know, I'll spend 200 bucks on groceries. And then, you know, swinging back and forth and back and forth. That creates a level of instability in your personal budget. And then for us organizationally, that creates a level of instability in the budgeting process. And so there's just sort of a pragmatic look and window into the way that we think and plan in terms of our own budget here at Jericho Ridge. So. Um, let's talk about this notion, though, of tithing. Like, is tithing, uh, that's a concept that comes from the Old Testament, from numbers. Um, what, does it still apply? Tithing, like that notion of the tenth of something, um, is that uh, still game, fair game? Should that still be considered a rule for people as Christians? Um, you know, what should we think about that? What are kind of even, um, yeah, what are, how do you guys talk about that in your house? Uh, <laughs> well, Mike is very adamant that tithing is Old Testament and it's Old Covenant. And, uh, you know, that, that's, I'm, that's true. It's, um, you know, when Jesus came, he got rid of, I mean, we, he said we can't, the laws that were in place, we cannot ever meet them. And Jesus came to free us from that. Of course, we, st you know, uh, he sort of, we can't meet them, but 
the Ten Commandments are still really good guidelines for living. And um, I think people still, you know, if you want an idea of how to, how to treat people and, and how to act, they're still really good guidelines and people still look to that. And I see the, uh, the 10% thing the same as a guideline. Um, I mean, I'm an engineer, I need, you know, numbers and percentages <laughs> and I need to know what I'm doing and other people don't at all and I just can't even fathom that. But <laughs> for me, it was, I needed that, you know, number as a sort of, you know, as a guideline. Um, you know, I, God doesn't change. He's never, he hasn't changed from the beginning of time and he's not going to change and, um, you know, 10% seems like a pretty good, you know, number if he had said, 50%, that would have been totally different, or 1%, you know, that would have been different too, but he chose 10%. So to me, that's sort of a, a number I work around, and maybe it can go up to 15 or down to 5, or, but I just, I need, an I I need a, always an idea, uh, a ballpark, so that was, that was for me, a ballpark for me. Yeah, I think uh, that the two most common questions I come across in practical terms is, is the 10% uh, something that is for us today? And the second most important, or the second most often question is, do I give off my gross or my net? Like th th those are the two questions that are the most common, which is fair enough, and I think reflected in the questions we got here as well. Uh, my understanding of Scripture is that uh, the tithe, ten percent, is definitely an, an Old Testament uh, guideline, or no, it was a law in the Old Testament. Um, the New Testament and the era, the era that we live in, um, I think grace covers more than what the law does. Um, the, 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 the other side of that is in this new era with under the kingdom that Jesus set up is uh, not only is there 10%, it's actually everything is God's and we're managers and we're accountable for how we spend everything. Uh, and so the giving is uh, what you and the Lord have decided in your heart. Uh, uh, it's to what you can give cheerfully and, and, and to give joyfully. That's what the Lord is looking for. He's looking for a heart that understands what God has done for us and that we're responding. The, even the ability that we have to earn money, the ability that we have or, or the health that we have, those are all gifts from God, the talents that we have. Um, you know, in, in, in the New Testament, Jesus is talking about you know, parables, trying to tell stories so people understand. And the stories that end where God calls somebody a fool doesn't turn out that good for them. And we want to stay away from that. And there's a lot of where a person would say, this is my stuff, this is my money, is usually when things went backwards for them and didn't turn out that good for them. And so the idea is that God is the creator. He owns everything. And we've been designed and created to be managers. And so the idea of we're managing our time and our finances, and why do we have this stuff? As believers, we have this stuff to build into God's kingdom. And whether that's looking after our family, our kids, our extended family, paying our bills on time, uh, you know, being on guard against all kinds of greed. Jesus is one of the things that he, you know, he says, be, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A person's life is not measured by the abundance of their possessions. He doesn't say you shouldn't have stuff. He's just saying don't measure who you are by your stuff because that stuff can go away pretty quickly because he gives and takes away and he wants our hearts and so he sometimes takes away to get our attention. Uh, so I think the tithing is, is an Old Testament thing. Uh, I would wish that we would just use offering as 
a term that we would use, and I think in our, in our modern setting, tithes and offerings should be synonymous. Um, I agree with Diane that there, as people, we need guidelines, and so 10% is, 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 is an okay guideline, um, but it's not a formula as to your spirituality. Like, and I think that's where the church has sometimes, if not taught it outright, has implied that 10% is somehow when God is pleased with you, 9% he's not. <laughs> You know, I, I think that's a problem. And I think that, that there's just two other little things about tithing. One is, there might be people who are giving 10% and feeling really holy when God's saying, I want you to give 30% because I've given you so much, but they can't hear God because they're so proud that they're giving 10. And the, the other side of it is, if somebody can only give 2% or 3%, and that's what they can give joyfully, somehow, because it's not 10% and the church says 10%, Satan comes in and takes away the joy that they would have in giving that. Well, I'm not a very good Christian, and so that's the problem with the 10%. But it's not a bad idea, but it should be like fifth on the list as, as things that are, you use as a guideline, not first or second. No, the scriptures uh, talk about the guiding principles for us uh, in Second Corinthians need to be that we're giving cheerfully, mm -hmm. uh, that you're giving what you have, not what you don't have. And so for some of us, there is that uh, dimension then of guilt seeping in mm -hmm. uh, if we're just dealing with arbitrary numbers. So I think that's helpful. Yeah. Um, what about the question, we didn't quite, quite think about it then, maybe in its entirety, about giving pre or post taxes. Mm -hmm. What does that look like for you guys? Um, definitely post taxes. Definitely. Um, as, as Al said, you know, you have to give on what you have and not what you don't have. Um, but it does mean when you get your tax return, you should, you know, give on that as well because that's the money you got back on it. So, yeah. So and I, I think there, there's another principle that we can use, and it's called the principle of first fruits. And the idea was, um, you know, in Israel, they were an uh, agricultural society. And so God was saying, you know, when you have a harvest, give the, the first to God as a thank you offering. So I think for us, our harvest is our income, our, our paychecks, our you know, commissions, or whatever we, we get in. And so I think what would please God is that if, as a thankfulness, just something off the top of everything that we get in, you know, give to as, as, as a thank you to him for us mm -hmm. having that, and just letting him know that we know that he's the one in charge. Yeah, I think the thing that that does is it declares our trust and our confidence in him as our provider, where we're saying to God, God, I trust you that there's more where that came from, uh, as opposed to leaving it until the end, where we're saying, God, here's whatever's left over. And, and then if there are some times in your life when your income comes down or you don't have any, God's okay with you not giving the same as you used to because you don't have that. And he knew that before you did that that was going to happen. Or if you get a, a big windfall that you, again, recognize it's from him and, and, and his goodness in our lives. You know, in, the, in Jesus' interactions with the Pharisees, one of the things that the Pharisees say is, well, you know, um, uh, I, would, I would love to help my family, but, you know, I can't because I've given that money to God already off of the top. And Jesus says to them, come on, like you're seriously, that's where you're going to go. This is uh, about caring for your family and about seeing what God's doing in the world. But you can't sort of not care for your family or not pay your bills on time and say, well, it's because I'm being generous, you know, trying to be generous to God's kingdom. Uh, there's an instance of another time when you shouldn't be active in that part of your world.
Yeah, I, I think there are times when, when people have a misunderstanding of trying to persuade God to be good to you by, you know, giving all this stuff away and not looking after needs and family around you and it can become out of line and it, it's, it skews everything and it's not what God wants. So what about um, the person that says, you know, this is kind of a new thought. It's a new concept for me. Um, where, where should they begin? Like what are some things that, you know, I feel maybe oh, I can't give as much as so-and-so or I just I feel a little bit defeated in this before I even start. Like what advice would you give to that person, Diane? Um, you know, just from my experience, I would say you just have to pray about it and then just do it. Just start. You have to make the first step of faith, of trust that God is going to bless you in return. And if you just start doing it, you know, God is faithful and true to his word. He's faithful in everything else in our lives. He's going to be faithful in this. And um, he'll do what he says. He will start blessing you, and it'll just, you'll be amazed at how much he'll bless you. So just, just start it and just do it. Take the step of faith and do it. Um, another thing I want to mention, just the, another aspect of it is, you know, when you, when you, especially when you're in a tough financial situation, you feel like you have to hold your money tighter, and then it has more power over you. And when you start giving it away, it's like it, you're just free. Money has no power over you anymore. You give it away, and it, it's an amazing feeling. It's really amazing. And, um, I mean, uh, money is a, a powerful thing, and I think uh, especially in the society we live. So if you can just give it away, and you'll, just, you'll feel fabulous about it. It'll just, the power over you is gone. Yeah, and I think that, uh, you know, we need to also be aware that it's not like a one-for-one one or two-for-one kind of deal with God. And so the blessings doesn't necessarily mean he's going to give you more money, but it, your, your, your life, your, your, your perspective on life, your understanding <coughs> of God is going to be uh, on an upward spiral as opposed to where it's just sort of stalled. And so I, I, I'm a little bit, you know, just don't get the idea that, you know, okay, if I give this, God's going to match it back or more. It doesn't always look just like that. Okay, but the people will have stories about how God has come into their lives and you know, men, men met them at certain places. Yeah, in very creative ways. Yeah. Yeah, with his abilities. Yeah, yeah. So what, what would you say kind of for each of you is kind of your foundational principle, like the, the sort of thing that guides you in the way that you think about this? I think, Diane, you hinted a little bit, like just saying, like I just, the joy of sort of not allowing money to have that controlling influence in my heart, um, in my life. Uh, what has that done in your relationship with God? What's that done in your own heart and thinking? Um, it's just just more and more made it clear to me how, how faithful God is and how he's with me every step of the way and that everything I have and I am and I do is all, is all because of him. Um, so yeah, it's just this, for me it's another aspect of, of trust and uh, just having a relationship with God and, and just you know letting him be a a part of every bit of my life. As, as I mentioned before, uh, my understanding from Scripture is that God owns and we are managers. And so uh, for an owner and a manager to work together and be successful, uh, both parts have to do their, their job. The manager does their part, the owner does their part, and you don't do each other's. And so if this is supposed to work, that we're managers and God's the owner, and if, and if it's not working out, 
Which is the iffy part of that equation? The owner or the manager? The iffy part is the manager's, right? Because God's faithful. He's going to do his part. He's got the cattle on a thousand hills. He's got it figured out. So the iffy part is our part. And I, I know myself, and in talking with people, the dilemma is we try to do God's part and hope that God does our part. Like, that God will be faithful, and then we can control the outcome. And so my point is there's two parts. There's our part, and there's God's part. And the better we can get that figured out, the better we're going to be. And so our part is this, is to be obedient and to act on, we know, to act on what we know God wants us to do. And we would like to add, and we want to figure out what the outcome's going to look like, make sure we want to put this effort into it. And, I th- and that's not our part. And so our part is to be obedient and to act on what we know God wants us to do. Now, God's part is to provide the resources and to change our hearts so that he can do what he wants to do in our lives. That's God's part. And that's, that's what this whole enterprise is about. This is a journey. And so for some of you here today, I want to commend you and just encourage you and keep doing what you're doing. For others of you, you might need to, it might be a bit of a challenge. And for others of you, it might be an invitation to enter into this journey of understanding how this works and what God wants to do. And part of a resource that I provide to our churches throughout BC for our denomination is I'm willing to meet with anybody. That's my job. If people have uh, questions and, and things that we can come and help and talk into, whether it's budgeting. And so this is a free service that our denomination provides through our churches. And so you might as well take advantage of it if it's something that would be useful to you. Uh, to meet with me, and if it's not me, then somebody else that, you know, will help you understand some of these things. And I think the entering into this conversation is an upward spiral. I think um, when I look at the conversation that we've been having here in the month of November, one of the interesting things is the title of it, The Church, as if that's some entity out there somewhere. They, they, they right, them, not somewhere, us, uh, them. not us, want my money. And actually, both parts of that are completely inaccurate. Well, that's and the backward. myth part that's of it. That's the myth, right? That the church is us. And so what we are being faithful to do when we're being faithful to do what God has called us to do as a group of people together here in our community, we're using the things that God has entrusted to us wisely and seeking his heart for reaching people who are far from God in our neighborhoods and in our relationships. And we're releasing ourselves more and more in growing in generosity, in this journey of generosity. And then the notion of reminding ourselves, like you said, Al, that it's God's money anyways. It's not my money. So I don't get to really dictate how that all process works itself out. And as I'm allowing my heart to increasingly come in alignment with God's heart and his uh, heart for me and his heart for us as a community, then those two things kind of begin to push in that myth and we begin to change and see just incredible things happen in our own lives. Freedom and a sense of relief and release and generosity and joy and all of those things that God uh, wants to bring into our hearts and lives around this topic, which is so, so countercultural. So I want to keep this conversation going. You you can, just to take that topic, the church just just wants my money, we can just change that around a bit to make it a truism, is that my church just wants God's money. Mm -hmm. And then then, then that's true. Yeah. We just want God's money. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and it's, it's us. Exactly. 
And we want to continue this conversation and keep it going. And the way that we want to do that is um, giving you a resource to be able to think through some of these topics. So this a little book is called The Genius of Generosity. And it's nice and short. And it's an easy read. There's four kind of quick sessions. You can do it either as an individual or as a family or as a small group. And it talks about the story of one individual's journey into generosity from a place of saying, I don't even know where I want to begin with this, and how that kind of began to work itself out uh, in his life. And so there's a copy of this uh, from Stewardship Ministries for everybody. The ushering team will give that to you on your way out the door to keep the conversation going about that. And I just want to say, um, if you want to take one of these, and on page 79 is the story of how Christmas, how the Christmas story fits into the genius of generosity and it just lays out there how um, the wise men were, uh, part of their journey was giving gifts, finances. The shepherds gave their time. Uh, Joseph and Mary were asked to lay down their reputation all for the kingdom. And so it's, it's got that whole scenario in it about being generous with your time, your talent, and your finances. Perfect. So we want to uh, keep that conversation going here at Jericho Ridge. It's one of our core values, being a generous person, a generous people. And we want to continue to allow God to work uh, in our hearts and lives. And so thank you all for your great questions uh, that were submitted to the panel. I want to thank Diane and thank Al for your participation. And uh, we want to uh, just give them our uh, appreciation as a community. And I'm going to call the uh, worship team if they would come up at this time and also call the ushering team up. And we're going to receive uh, our offering together this morning. And as we do that, I want to remind us, like we say this often, sometimes we receive the uh, offering when the kids are in. So whatever we do when the kids are in with us is always a little bit more chaotic than when they're dismissed. And so sometimes it kind of gets lost in that. But really this, the heart of what we're doing when we release our resources and entrust them to God is saying, God, I trust you. I have confidence in your provision for me, for us, and I want to continue to be involved in the things uh, that you have for me and allow my heart to be warmed with those things. And so uh, I want to uh, ask Ron and the team, they'll lead us in two songs of response that kind of have that same type of theme to them, of saying, God, everything we have, everything that we are is yours anyways, and so we want to continue to release ourselves uh, to you in ministry and in worship. So let's worship together in both.